Okay, my degenerate friends, let's talk about the wonderful dark art of gambling. Yes, dancing with the point spread. Going two fists in all the way up to your elbows, wearing farm animal gloves. All right, that was weird. My point is, every game you watch is a little bit more spicy with something on it, you know? That's why you should get dialed in today at mybookie.ag. I've got an account, and you know what? I throw 10, 15, 20 bucks on stuff all the time. That's it. You can even bet less. MyBookie.ag is perfectly legal, and having worked with them for over two years, they are a rare exception of credibility in a sea of fly-by-nighters. And the handful of times anybody has had a problem, they take care of it right away. Why? Because I send one email, and they go, oh, we, we don't want to get this. We'll take care of this. Relax, everybody. You got me backing you up. NFL, college football, NBA, college hoops, PGA Tour, NHL, Premier League, everything but Bush Kazi from Afghanistan, you can bet on it. Right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to a thousand additional dollars to put in play. Terms and restrictions do apply to bonus dollar matches. Read the website for details. Promo code is ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to get that additional matching money. Get some sweet action in 2020. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Today on the Zabecast, there is nothing like an NFL coach with that new coach smell. The talk is tough, the jaw is square, and the gaze is firm. Church joins me to splash around in a Kirk Cousins gloat fest like you've never seen before. All that plus a good lawyer is hard to find. One that literally knows where all the bodies are buried? Even better. Your bonus, 30 minutes of me, is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Thursday, January 9, 2020. Thank you for downloading. Before we get into it, thank you one and all for the feedback. Jayco and I made a few mistakes in our list of teams that have or have not had a African-American head coach in their existence. Aside from Ray Rhodes and his one forgettable year in Green Bay, ding, Mike Singletary with his short stint in San Francisco that produced the epic rant with, can't win with those guys, can't do it, won't do it, and Romeo Cornell and Herm Edwards in Kansas City, we nailed it. Nailed it, as Nardog would say. So that would tilt the numbers. I think we had it at 15 and 17. That would put it at 12 and uh, 19. No, 12, 12 and 20. 12 and 20, historically, maybe 13 and 19. Don't quote me on it. Uh, but there's your updated list for what it's worth. I have heard a hundred hot takes from pundits across the sports media spectrum about the Rooney rule being broken, and there must be a change, and this is wrong, and that, 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 that. Easily, a hundred. Haven't heard one idea yet. Not heard one solution. Not heard one change suggested. Now, maybe people are formulating these. Maybe these will come. We'll see. Again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think they're almost at the limits of what you can do short of a actual quota, which would not go over well at all. Okay, file this one under goddamn hilarious. Twitter is funny because you pop off just to pop off thinking, yeah, I don't need to do any research on this. Apparently, Danny Cannell got into it with Ahmad Black. Ahmad Black, Ahmad Black is a retired NFL player and Florida alum. And somehow uh, he got into it with Danny Cannell, former ESPN commentator and former quarterback at Florida State. <laughs> and Ahmad Black said, what you say at Danny Cannell, now show us your national championship. Three crying emojis, go Gators. I guess, uh, oh yeah, uh, Cannell had started this by saying, funny that BS I used to throw was good enough to go 3-1-1 one, and one against the Gators. Sorry you didn't get offered by FSU. I see you're still bitter. And that was when Black said, oh yeah, show us your national championship, as he posted a picture of him 
kissing the crystal trophy. <laughs> Danny Cannell replied back, sure thing, and included a photo of his Florida State 1993 National Championship ring. Adding, you know, you should probably try using this thing called Google before you think you've got some kind of knockout blow. <laughs> it's just so good. It's awkward and funny and stupid all at once. It reminds me of one of the great scenes in the Penguins of Madagascar, including one that my daughter, Catherine, loves to uh, have uh, quote with me and play it out. <laughs> it's where the bad guy, Dave the Octopus, Dave the Octopus, funny, stupid, random, average name for a big villainous octopus, uh, voiced by the great, oh, it's killing me now, John Malkovich. John Malkovich with that distinctive, rich, unique voice and his dramatic delivery. The Penguins have no idea who he is as he takes off his octopus disguise. And the best part was a cricket at the end, who haplessly walks into the scene and then says, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I I, I live over here. Kowalski. Sorry, sir, no clue. Dave! 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 Dave. 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 Ah. <laughs> here it is. Sorry. Wait, wait. wait. Uh, I I live this way. <laughs> for whatever reason, that thing tickles my funny bone every time. Very appropriate for that scene. Guys talking shit about their colleges. Yeah, Florida State sucks. Oh, yeah, Florida sucks. Oh, yeah? Well, look at this. Show me your championship. Ri- oh. All right. Uh, you know what? I uh, I live over here. I have not read whether or not he's responded yet. I would love it if uh, if he did. But, yeah. Uh, hey, yeah, Danny Cannell, show us your championship ring. Oh, oh, you have one, actually. Oh. Sorry. Wait, wait. Uh, I I live this way. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I should just maybe log off my account right now. Go ahead, Dan. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Dan. Continue. All right, one more before we get to charts. This could be a work. Hell, everything today is a work, but it's pretty juicy. Remember Denise Richards? Formerly, once upon a time, arguably the hottest woman on the planet. I mean, Denise Richards was was way up there. She was always like a one or a two seed in my old tournament of babes, which I should probably bring back. Would not be a bad idea if I could do something like that. Uh, former wife of Charlie Sheen. Let's see, Denise, oh, Denise, not Denise, Denise Richards, married. She's been married a couple times. Nice prep work, El Baldo. Oh, shut up. Um, Denise Richards, who used to be fine as wine. Uh, Denise Richards in the movie with the oh, what was the movie with the other uh, Nev Campbell, uh, where they were. See, now i got to look this one up now, too. You really did your research here. You're screaming at the podcast right now saying, Denise Richards, Nev Campbell, makeout scene. And Wild Things. That's the one right there. You don't mind if I watch this now just while I do the podcast? Uh, You're like, who's Nev Campbell? Nev Campbell, formerly of Party of Five. And there they go. Kevin Bacon standing by watching it. 13 million views can't be wrong on this scene. Really, Zabe? We're, we're, letting, we're sitting here listening to you watch a makeout scene. No, I'm here to educate you on... Oh, and she's taking off her bathing suit. Now they're in the pool. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, Denise Richards. Time is undefeated, people. Undefeated and untied. Tom Brady may have taken Father Time to overtime, to double overtime, but he's going to lose to Father Time. Undefeated. Denise Richards, I guess, was on the first season of the latest edition of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. 
And now there's a new scandal in which Denise Richards has walked away from the show. She apparently had a very strong first season ratings-wise, and people are like, hmm, what's going on here? It's because allegedly Denise Richards had a relationship with former Beverly Hills Real Housewife Brandy Glanville. Glanville made a brief appearance during the show last season, dining with Richards. Apparently, the cast members revealed the lady's month-long affair during the cast trip to Rome in November. It was at that point that Richards basically walked away when she was confronted with the information, according to production sources. The rumors include tidbits such as their affair lasted for the entire first half of 2019, and that Denise told Glanville that she and her husband, Aaron Fipers... P-H-Y-P-E-R-S, had an open marriage. Glanville was surprised and hurt to learn that was a lie. All this went down on camera, so viewers will see it play out in the upcoming season of the Bravo series. That probably means it's a work, but still pretty juicy. Denise Richards lying about having an open marriage and then having a hot, steamy lesbian relationship with a former Beverly Hills Housewife cast member. Pretty good. I might have to start watching the show. Here's the point I'm making. They got a photo here from the show of Denise Richards. Oh, it breaks your heart if you remember what she once was as a pretty young thing. I mean, she's not hideous. But you see where things are starting to fall apart, where the plastic surgery is trying to keep up with age and wrinkles and gravity, and maybe some other things too. Drug abuse, smoking, uh, alcohol, who knows? It's a damn shame. I can't stop looking at this picture of Denise Richards and think it sucks. It sucks when our favorite athletes get old and can't perform. It sucks when our favorite movie stars and women that were perfection personified get old and you're like, damn it, it used to be a thing. Today's episode brought to you by MyBookie.ag, the official online gambling hangout of this, the ZabeCast. More lines on more games than you can imagine, more ways to play, fast payouts, outstanding customer service. MyBookie.ag has an easy interface. You can track your winnings and your bad beats. NFL playoffs are now here. Time to crush it. College hoops, now more upset heavy than ever. So let's clean up on some shockers. In the winter, NBA looks like Lakers bucks in June, but hey, we can still make money on any given Tuesday, throwing some heat at Grizzlies and Pelicans. <laughs> Sweet action. Promo code right now for 2020 is Zabe, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. Get half your deposit matched up to $1,000. Terms and restrictions apply and bonus money. See website for details. You don't have to be some whale like Mr. X and throw around $1,000 a night. You can be a little dink and dunker like me and nobody's gonna know. Or laugh at you. MyBookie.ag. You play. You win. You get paid. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. Shotgun Dalvin Cook to his left. Third and goal from the four. Kirk takes the snap. Looks right. Fade left. End zone. And it is caught. Touchdown. It was a touchdown. You hold him to 20 points, man. He gave us a chance at the end. I got three words for you. You like that? Ah, uh, yes, indeed, yeah. Charge. Does it get much sweeter than that? Oh. Really Take off. Take off. Oh. Fuck off. You Kirk haters. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's the best man i've taken so much grief for so long about kirk and it's a sweet sweet revenge i was gonna oh, say even if it's twitter based revenge it's so good i love it what a day oh. what a night uh so pulling for you what a finish uh question is this being considered a more glorious win than the minneapolis miracle no, it really isn't, um, because the, you know the miracle was just so epic. Um, but you were getting you were getting beaten that game. 
we were this, getting beat. This game, game, this game, you were you were taking it to them all night long. Game in fact, long. you never trailed. If never I'm trailed. Not mistaken. I I believe that is correct. Yeah. Um, and you know that's and that maybe that's part of the reason why it didn't feel quite so epic because all we did is keep the lead. But um, for those people who doubted Kirk, and believe me, you know even at halftime, you know I'm getting plenty of tweets from people yeah. that are here. You know, here it comes. Yeah, right. there's your quarterback. You know, this is there's your and, guy, Charge. And now, are these people that are actual Viking fans that are still? Oh tre- God, yes. So, in other words, it's sort of like the brother in in Jerry Maguire, who's sitting at home watching on TV, and then when he gets hurt, he's like, "See, I told you he wasn't fit for the NFL," or whatever he said. You know. <laughs> The yeah, hater right. brother that just wasn't on board, and that's when uh, Jerry Maguire's wife just starts beating the shit out of him. <laughs> it's like, why do why do people? You know why it is? Here's an interesting phenomenon. Sorry to cut you off, Charge. I'm going to shut up and let you talk and bask in this. No, but here's here's what I think. In today's day and age, because mm-hmm. of the opinion sphere we all live and bathe and swim in, people will root for their own opinions harder than they will for their own team. Yes, it's true. There are there are people that would have been happier with a Viking loss, especially if you if you, if you think they're going to w- lose next week, which they probably will. Um, then just so they could keep the narrative alive and they could right. keep the hate going, and that you know they're so invested in their anti Kirk stance that they honestly want bad things to happen to the team, or maybe in a better scenario, the Vikings win in spite of Kirk. You know, that Kirk is horrible, yet the team still somehow overcomes his shortcomings. You know, it, it, it's just crazy Zabe, that people are crazy. like that. But but fans get so enmeshed in their take, in their angle, and it gets magnified on social media because now uh, so many more people know it, right? So you tweet something, you know, if your average person's got, I don't know, 250 followers, you know, Normally around the water cooler, you can be like, ah, Kirk sucks. I hate that guy. We shouldn't have signed him. And like three people know. But on social media, you put your ass out on there for 250 people, and now you feel like you can't back down, which is stupid. Now that said, do you think that maybe you got away with a little OPI? Um, a little, yes, there was a, there was a little, but enough that you're going to make a game changing call. I mean, are you really going to change the outcome of the game on that call? No, I agree. How about this? What if it was a first quarter, second and goal? Is it called? No, I don't think it is. See, I don't think so either. Have you read and seen, first of all, Terry McCauley is a dickwad. I'm tired of him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm tired. Can I say dickwad on my own podcast? I think I I, can. I think think you can. Um, You know, he's engaging with Twitter people now, like first, second, third, and he's explaining, you know, his rationale. And what's Mm -hmm. funny is he's got guys on Twitter, randos, like, you know, Bob the Pelican 421 coming at him on Twitter, you know, some random guy vehemently disagreeing with him. Yeah. And then Macaulay's reengaging Bob the Pelican 321 as if like he's worthy of responding to him. And I'm like, you were in the Super you refereed a Super Bowl. Super Bowl, right? <laughs> you don't have to answer to anybody. That's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Even if I disagree with your take, stop engaging uh, these dickheads on Twitter. But he was all like breaking it down. And some of the things he said I thought were flat out inaccurate about who contacted who when, who initiated the pushing, and on and on. By the way, Terry McCauley began his professional career as a software programmer for the National Security Agency, the NSA. So he's a snoop. He's a spy. (laughs) On top of everything else. (laughs) Probably a fine guy, nice family. I'm sorry I called him a dickwad. Okay. I think part of what goes into officiating or what should go into officiating is the holistic view of what was the play, not the literal ticky-tack he pushed off. The holistic interpretation of the play was T.J. Williams never turned to play the ball. Yes. Had he turned to play the ball and had, you know, Rudy given him the stiff arm to the back to create space, I'd be in favor of saying that's a flag because mm-hmm. he's playing the ball more. This was just a, hey, I'm bodying you up. I'm kind of dancing with you. I kind of got my hands on you. You got your hands on me. But he never played to look for it, and so therefore, too bad. He got a little bit of a stiff arm. 
Right, right. And I think it would have changed a lot. And what I don't understand, Zabe, is, and you see this with cornerbacks all the time, you're running to a point that there's no more end zone left. There's nowhere else to go. Why not turn your head back to the ball I and just see if it's coming your way? Just see, you know, there's there's no there's no reason not to look back when you're in the back corner of the end zone. I say that all the time, but I got to believe that locating the football while running full speed against a guy that goes 4-3 while having yeah. a giant helmet on that's got limited visibility with your head bobbing up and down, <laughs> you know, and picking it out of the crowd and out of the lights has to be one of the hardest things ever. And so I, I too, like you go, just turn around. The ball's coming. Just, you know it. Just turn your head. Just right. turn the head. But these, these, That's it. But the good receivers are crafty as fuck, and they play with late hands. I'm sure you've heard that term before. Where the, I have. the good ones wait to the last second, and then hands, boom, balls there, and you're like, "Fuck, I had that. I was right here." Mm-hmm. The other thing was on the, I believe on one of the feeling catches, maybe not the one that set it up. Uh, the DB did look back for a second, and then by the time he re- returned around to engage on feeling, he was like, "Oh shit, he's over here now." And that's all yeah. it took. That, that's you're right. And next thing you know, um, you've lost him. Yeah. That happens. Fucking Thielen. It happens. I, lo- I love Thielen. Is, is it racist of me to like white receivers a little bit more only because I feel like they're overachieving at a position of African-American <laughs> dominance? That can't be racist, can it? No, I I'm just rooting for the, my guy. The, if black guys can root for Tiger Woods because he's the one black guy on tour, fuck it. I can root for Adam yeah. Thielen. Well, I can tell you this much. You can root for him because he's, he's a damn good dude, and I've interacted with him many, many times, and he is uh, yeah. he's as level-headed as they come. He is a, he is a, he's the least diva. As diva as Stefan Diggs is, he, he's the opposite. So, yeah, and by the way, at one point, if you didn't, I don't know if you caught this or not during the game, but, you know, at ha- roughly the halfway stage of the game, you know, we're having a meltdown because Stefan okay. Diggs is not getting the ball enough. Now let's... And we're winning. <laughs> Let's talk about Mr. Diggs, shall we? What's his deal? He's your guy. I mean, he's Maryland. I mean, you know, you knew him before. <laughs> I I, you knew him before I knew him. I don't. Um, I don't claim him. I'm just wondering: is anyone getting sick of his shit up there? Um, a little bit. It, it definitely is worn thin. You know, when he was when he was having the uh, the sideline meltdown, there was a lot of Twitter action up here in Minnesota mm. about him about him being a diva, which he is. Now, the other side of it is he's also roasted a bunch of great cornerbacks this year, and he's had a bunch of good games, right. probably the best season of his career. So, and um, and he's a deep threat that the that the Vikings need. And Daniel Thielen can be too, as evidenced by the you know the game changing sure. catch that he had in that game. But uh but Diggs is more often that guy. And they you know they need him and he's good. And you so you just it's it feels like more and more that's just that's what you have to put up with. Yeah. If you want if you want to have a great receiver, you have to put up with a touch of diva. How do you like your chances this Sunday against the Niners? I don't love them, and it's for largely intangible reasons, Zabe. Um, Saturday, you know, I, I should say, for the record. It is Saturday, and that's part of the problem. So this team short played week Sunday. Plus travel. Short week travel both ways. Yeah. Both ways they got to travel. In the middle of that, my our offensive coordinator is has to go to a job interview to, to be the next head coach of the Browns. And you know, it just it feels like there's – it's too much. It's too compressed. Thielen suffered an ankle injury in practice today. Ooh. Diggs has missed two days with a cold. Ooh. I don't know what he's got, but you know, when, in a short week, I don't want. I don't want my. I don't want my two receivers not able to practice, and that's been the case so far. So, um, remember, they beat the Saints in the playoffs two years ago on the miracle. They traveled and got destroyed. Right. Now they now they're gonna they beat the Saints, and now they got to travel and and try to hang with the 49ers. So I think. Over the bulk of the season, they've been the best team in the NFC. I look at the Saints and I think they're. I mean, I look at the Niners and I think they're fucking savages. I, I think that team when they play well, they're serial killers. They're freaks. Mm-hmm. They're ruthless. They're they'll rip. I mean, maybe that's just my Packer eyes from what they did to the Packers this year. Going, oh my god! I'm like, stop kicking them. They're already dead. <laughs> they're already dead. Stop kicking them, please. So. Obviously a feared team, but they don't have as much playoff experience. You guys do. And I think you guys, and maybe you can agree or disagree, I think you as a fan have to be beyond the point of devastation. You'll be disappointed if they lose, but by beating the Saints, you got past the point of playoff devastation. 
fair? That's exactly right. We already got we already got the one we win that we needed to get to feel like this whole thing wasn't a failure. The whole season right. was for nothing. We right. got the win we needed for that. And so, yeah, that, I think that's exactly right. It's a little, we've got emotional house money. Little house right money. Now. Right. Yep. Little house emotional money going house on. Money. Yep. Now, there, there's a real scenario. If the Niners play like they played in most of December, Vikings really could win. Um, but the catch is, the Niners were playing most of December without D Ford, Jaquiski, Tart, Quan Alexander, Richard Sherman. You know, and they're all back. back. Whole team's healthy now. The only thing that I think really fundamentally works in the Vikings' favor is I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is ready to win in the playoffs. Maybe he's not, and that's all it takes. If you have a quarter, one, you know, starting quarterback on wines in his first playoff game, that might be enough. Jaquiski Tart, has there ever been? A better name <laughs> in the NFL. Huma Namanui, I think, would be the only other name I can think comes close to it. What about Chris Fuamata Maafala? That's, an- <laughs> that's another one. Jaquiski Tart, though, literally sounds like it's out of Key and Peele's East-West game. <laughs> Jaquiski Tart. That's a, that's a dessert at a high-end <laughs> restaurant. Uh, yes, I'll have the Jaquiski Tart drizzled in lemon, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hold the hibiscus. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, okay. It's, uh, yeah, it's no Harry Colon, which no, might be the best, the best exactly. football name ever. Yeah. All right. I want to play for you a coach speak soundbite. Did you see Matt Rule's introductory presser day in Carolina? No. Okay. Here's what Coach Rule, certified hashtag football guy, had to say about the game of football itself great player but i was able to 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 in some small part contribute to that team i was able to then to go on and get my master's degree because of football i was able to get into coaching and football's brought me in all these places and to meet all these people and it's brought me here today it's a special game it's the greatest game that there is you walk into a locker room there's guys of all ages there's guys from all different parts of the country there's guys of all shapes and sizes Yet they come together to form a team and play the hardest game that there is to play. They play in bad weather. They play when they're injured. They play when they don't feel great. They find a way to get it done as a team. It's the greatest game that there is. And as I sat here and was trying to make a decision about my life, I said to myself, Matt, what do you want? And I want to go and be a part of the greatest game at the highest stage. And I just had to figure out where. Is that? A well-spoken little note, is. or is that oh. him being cheeseball, new coach? Look at my new coach smell. It smells like fresh Corinthian leather where <laughs> my jaw is square, my gaze is solid, and by golly, better things are on the horizon for this football team that just paid me a whole shit ton of money. Okay. By the way, the contract's absurd. Absurd. It is. Seven, a seven-year deal for a college coach? <laughs> I know. Who, for a college coach who spent Temple Baylor. one, Temple one Baylor. season in the NFL as the assistant to the offensive line coach. Assistant to? That's Dwight Schrudian, the assistant to the regional that's, manager. That's, that's right. That's, that's his NFL experience. That's it. He gets seven years, $60 million with another $10 million in in bonuses. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's just, but it is players players have been signed for that much and they have been far less worth it if rule is good it's the easiest money spent and it's also non salary cap money so if you're david tepper who's a hedge fund billionaire right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What the fuck does he care overpaying i'm sure the other owners don't like him because they're like hey man you're blowing the salary scale out of the yeah, water exactly because exactly. I, I yeah i just got off the phone with uh urban meyer's agent and he's like well if that <laughs> ding dong rule got that much right yeah right how much should i get yeah. and that's it. there's no salary cap implication on coaching but you got to pay those guys all you know they get paid no matter what and so when you fire freddie kitchens after one year you're paying the whole contract yeah it's you know, I, that part of it is that part of it's crazy. Now, um, now, as far as the game goes, I only played the game one year when I was twelve years old. I've got mm. the photos to prove it, and mm-hmm. I did not like how rough it was, even at twelve years old. But I was proud that I at least played one year of tackle football with a helmet because that really wasn't in my family's, you know, 
history. My dad didn't play. My older brother didn't play. And I was a Little League baseball, youth basketball guy. And I had to bug my mom for quite a while to play that one year. But I did it, and I was glad I did it. But I didn't really have the taste for it. As far as the game itself, you know, we consume it as fans on the couch. First of all, did you play at any level? True story, and I'm sure I've never told you this. Or I've, I've got to believe I've never told you this. Okay. Fourth grade, so, you know, roughly 12 as well. No, younger than 12, I guess. Um, I'm play, I played backyard football almost every day. And I'm playing in the backyard one day with my friends. Car pulls up. There's a guy gets out of the car and he's just watching us play. I don't pay any real attention to him, oh and I'm God. just I don't like the, I don't like thing. the way this is already sounding. But go ahead. Well, yeah. Fortunately, he's, he's never going to end up touching me inappropriately. Oh, um, and we're we're playing, and then after about 20 minutes, he interrupts and he and he turns to me and he says, "Hey, how? What grade are you in?" And I say, "I'm in fourth grade." He says, "I coach a fourth grade football team. I want you." Shut. What up? Okay, and just come on into my free hugs and candy van and we'll sign (laughs) your contract. So he goes, we're playing in my backyard. So he he goes and talks to my parents. And next thing you know, I'm the starting running back. (laughs) So I played, I played that. And then I played, uh, so I played fourth grade and then I played uh, in eighth grade fourth well. grade so fourth grade what grade. tackle with helmets tackle yeah tackle with helmets yep. that's awesome and so helmets. you played in eighth grade as well fourth grade fifth six grade. seven eight yep and then uh, out. no but only those two years i played fourth oh, okay. and then i played eighth and then i was off to killing myself running cross country and track which Got was it. a yeah huge chick did, magnet by the way did you like playing football I did. I really did like playing Do you football. regret in retrospect, now that you're a middle-aged old man like me, that you didn't play in high school? A little bit. Yeah. I do. You know, how much I, I love the game and everything. Yeah, do you? I kind of do as well. The one thing, if I can get a little bit schmaltzy here about football, I love it the most, and this was reflected in that celebration with Kirk afterwards, is the tribal celebrations in the locker room, which is a sacred man cave. Mm-hmm. of victorious emotions. Football teams require, by their nature, a kid or a grown man of every size yeah. and every shape yeah. and yep. every color. You have to have big, fat guys. You have to have small, skinny guys. you got a mix of white guys and black guys. you got a mix of country guys and city guys. Some of the country guys are white guys. Some of the country guys are black guys. It doesn't <laughs> matter. They come from all over. And yeah. you even need little Squidward kickers that can punch it through from 56 in the rain, and they're actually great athletes. And, you know, it's popular to bash on the kicker, but if kicking was so fucking easy, they would save a roster spot and tell any asshole to go do it, (laughs) right? That's right, that's right, yes. (laughs) And so so I always find that a beautiful thing, and I think in these days days of our country where there is so much racial polarization, I love it when there's the football dynamic brings the black guys and the white guys together. It's a beautiful thing. It helps. It helps a lot. You know, you don't, you just, you don't run into guys that have race problems with each other. I think by and large in football locker rooms. Now there are, there are, there are racial tensions within locker rooms and it's sometimes not even always black, white, white, black, like Robert Griffin, the third here in Washington. Yeah. The, the rest of the brothers on the team really didn't take to him. When really? Rob Parker got fired for calling him a cornball brother, he was actually dead on. That was really? the sentiment in the locker room. Yeah, Cooley told what? me all about it. Yeah. I learned no more I learned more about the weird dynamic of a an NFL locker room from Cooley than ever. Uh, and it really is a – while I'm, I'm waxing poetic about how wonderful it is when they win, it's also a dysfunctional, savage place in which everybody's <laughs> jealous of everybody else's money. Yeah. They're, they're backstabbing for playing time. They don't trust their coaches. It's a, it's a weird Lord of the Flies type situation. Can I give you one other thing that never gets talked about related to that, Zabe? Um, I've, I've I've gotten to know various coaches over the years, mostly when they've when they've either left the team or left the game, and they talk about what the coaches do to the other coaches, and you never hear about coach on coach violence, 
but they will backstab each other. They will talk behind each other's backs. They will position <laughs> to get each other's jobs. They, uh, it is, it is a competition between coaches and it can be savage. The coaches, the coaches so will funny. go up to the player, the offensive line, the offensive line coach, you, you know, will go up to a player and go, you know what? Man, if you know, if I were playing, if it were my calls, you know, I'd have done, you know, I'd have, I'd have been running you twenty eight times this game, you know, that kind of stuff. Right? There's all, there is all kinds of coaching shenanigans and backstabbing. Yeah, it's wild. But overall, the game itself, I mean, like you know, you've seen the blind side, the the blind side, obviously. Mm-hmm. Read yeah. the book too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, here's a kid in Michael Orr who's a shy kid, right? And he's being adopted mm-hmm. by a white family, yep. and it's like. Where would he fit in in a high school? And where would he fit in at that age in society? He's big, he's shy, but he's smart, and he knows how to use his body, and they find a place for him. A football team is a lot of times a place for kids because now they need anybody that's willing to play. So you start with kind of, you know, some misfits, and you figure out, okay, well, where can we play this kid? Fucking play safety. Put him out there, and then and then he plays pretty well. And he's like, "Hey, I got guys who like me. I got a shitty situation at home. My dad's not here. My mom is, you know, there some days. Not. She's got an alcohol problem, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the family becomes the, their their football team becomes their real family, a better family than what they've got at home. And this is the thing that happens in the deep south and in the country where." All of the New York Times writing East Coast elites that talk about, well, football will be gone in 20 years. It's too dangerous. What parents would let their kids play? And I'm like, motherfucker, get out of Manhattan. Get <laughs> get down to Nacogdoches, <laughs> Texas. Get down to Mobile, Alabama, mm-hmm. and see what the culture is like down there because football's religion down there. Yeah. And it is, as it's- Kirk Cousins said, a hell of a product. <laughs> at the <laughs> NFL level because it's designed to throw. Do you see where 41 of the 50 top-rated shows in 2019 were? Football, Football. games. They, and they, were they now NFL or just college in there too? I believe NFL. NFL yeah, games, yeah. Surprise me. Florida, surprise yeah, this me. is from ProFootballTalk.com. Okay, you have uh, a note for me to end on. You said you wanted to talk about – actually, is it a foot – what was it you told me? Is it a television it's, note? Yeah, it, you know we we open our bits with Bob and Doug McKenzie. That's right from SCTV, one of the greatest comedy you know variety bits ever. Right, and SCTV stood for Second City TV, and it was based in Chicago, right? Which it was, was based in Toronto. It was a Canadian. In fact, the whole reason Bob and Doug existed was by because they were getting funding from the from the CTV the Canadian television their version of the BBC they had to have x number of minutes of every show had to be devoted to something canadian and so they whipped up this Bob and Doug oh, McKenzie that's bit. Right. That's right. That's to, right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. To meet the criteria. I don't know why I thought it was Chicago. Criteria. It was called Second City well, Television. It, that's right. Because why, why is Toronto considered a second city because it's not Montreal? Uh, maybe okay. I'm not positive. I'm not sure about that. But it they did end up. I think they may have had some relationship with the Second City comedy bit in Chicago. But no, I I don't know that it's a direct relationship. But I think some of the people did go back and forth. But anyway, um, hold on before you get to your story. I just want to give yes. a roster here. This is incredible. I mean, we're talking it, about crazy. We're, we're talking about a cradle of comedic and television genius here. Here were the names that appeared on SCTV at one point. John Candy, yes. Eugene Levy, Andrea yes. Martin, Rick Moranis, Catherine O'Hara, Harold Ramis, Martin Short, Dave yes. Thomas, and Unbelievable. Others. Unbelievable, right? You know, and you know, Harold Ramis went on to be one of the best directors of all time, you know, and you know, did a little bit of acting as well, but you know, he ended up being an unbelievable director who did uh, responsible for the National Lampoon, uh, the National Lampoon yeah. uh, movies. Mm-hmm. He did. Uh, he did Animal House. He did uh, Caddyshack. You know, it's, That's you know, unbelievable. It's Ghostbusters. <laughs> it is unbelievable. SCTV was the launching ground for so many amazing careers. And have you, by the way, have you watched? Uh, speaking of of SCTV and Harold Ramis in particular, I think most people remember Harold Ramis from. 
uh, American Pie when he was the dad, but his new his newer show. No, no, you're thinking uh, of Eugene Levy was the dad. I am thinking of Eugene. Harold Levy. Ramis right. probably Harold, most sorry, known. Yeah, Harold, Harold Ramis probably most known for Ghostbusters. Yes, as the director, he was the director. I was talking well, about. I misspoke. Yeah, but he was also he was Levy. he acted in Ghostbusters. Ramis. Yeah, he did. Yes, yeah. he did. Which well, I guess when you direct it, you can do that. Right. Um, and Eugene Levy now has got at his age, he's, you know, he's got to be like seventy-eight at this point. Yeah. Um, he's you know he's hit it big time with this show that's on Netflix called Shit's Creek. Yes. Have you seen or heard of Shit's Creek? Heard of it? My daughter, my seventeen-year-old Megan, has been bragging about it, and I've not watched it. Should I? It's good. It's very dry. So you, as long as you you don't need the laugh track, if you can, if you're cool with dry humor, it's very well done. So Schitt's Creek is worth seeing. It's on Netflix. But here's the story because it's got a more personal bend to it. I was a kid growing up in the 80s, and SCTV was on at like 1 in the morning. And so I'd recorded on, on, on VCR with the emerging emergent VCR technology, and we were a VHS, not a beta family. And they had a bit on it called Count Floyd. And Count Floyd was a – had a TV show in which he played as a vampire, and then he would introduce these scary movies that were supposed to be running. Ah, yes. And and every time, the movies were not at all scary. And so he'd be like, this one's going to be really scary. It's going to kill you. And and then they'd show it, and it's like Ingmar Bergman. And he'd come back, oh, God, (laughs) he just destroyed. (laughs) So getting the very long part of the story – as a kid, I owned a Count Floyd vinyl album, of which there could only have been like a hundred of them printed, because whoever would want a Count Floyd album? <laughs> and as my as my vinyl eventually just went away, as I converted to CDs like everybody else, and I probably gave it all away or threw it away, and my mom threw a bunch of it away, I lost track of the album and figured I'd never see it again. It was my most missed piece of vinyl because I knew I would never in a million years come across a Count Floyd album again. I can rebuy Led Zeppelin four whenever I want. I can't rebuy Count Floyd's album. Then last week I found it. Yes. There it is. There it is at the, at the record store sealed (gasps) from, from 1982 the Count Floyd album, and I was like, I can't believe I found it. It's back. So all the, for years, I had been wringing my hands that I had let that that let that album go, which wouldn't necessarily mean much to anybody, but had a, had a lot of value to me. And I know there's none of them out there. That's I found it again. That's Count Floyd. That's fantastic. By the way, I had totally forgotten as I'm now deep into Wikipedia on Count Floyd and other SCTV <laughs> characters. I forgot about the great Ed Grimley. The oh, completely mental misadventures of Ed Grimley. <laughs> oh, yes. Martin Short. Martin Short, so, so good, right? <laughs> Oh, oh God, Charge! Good so luck. Many great good luck against those uh, filthy Niners. If the stars align, and if the gods deem to grace us with such a delectable yet agonizing situation, at this time next week we could be talking about Vikings at Packers for a trip to the Super Bowl. It would you know blow everybody's minds. May the gods let it happen, and we'll speak no more of it. Right? If if it happens, I should drive to Milwaukee. And we do the steak dinner bit that we need to do for the Milwaukee station for MKE. I think we should do that. And I think we should stop talking about it lest God decide to laugh. The surest way to hear God laugh is announce your plans. (laughs) Charge you the best, buddy. Thanks again for your time. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. We will end on this today. It's Imperative you have a great lawyer if you're being charged with murder. It's even more imperative to have a super great lawyer if you're being charged with murdering your wife. It is really handy to have a great lawyer defending you in a case in which you're charged with murdering your wife who will also bury her body. Meet lawyer Kent Mahwini. Kent Mahwini, he was arrested on Tuesday alongside one Fotis Dulos. 
Fotis Dulos. That's his name. Don't make fun of it. F-O-T-I-S. I have never seen that on any souvenir license plate at Disneyland in my life. Fotis Dulos. In the murder of Jennifer Dulos, his wife. According to police, a close friend of Fotis, Mr. Mahwini, represented him in a civil suit. He was charged with conspiracy to commit murder in connection with Jennifer's May 24th disappearance. About a week earlier, two members of the Windsor Rod and Gun Club in East Granby came upon a large hole, a blue tarp, and two bags of lime in a restricted area on the grounds of the Windsor Rod and Gun Club. One club member, Jim Lawler, described the hole, which was about two feet wide, six feet long, and three feet deep, as 100% a human grave. At that point, you're like, holy shit, i got to call the police, right? Something's going down over here. Someone has already pre-dug a human grave. What the hell? Did the club member do that? No. Lawler just, quote, shrugged it off until he later heard that Mr. Mawini, the lawyer, was involved in that Dulos case. You know, the rich dude who may have killed his wife who just disappeared. State police searched the area with canines in August but found nothing suspicious. Mawini had founded the club but was no longer a member. So he founded the club but was no longer a member. In March or April, he'd allegedly asked a member about getting access to the property and was told of a hidden key. His cell phone records put him near the site of the hole on March 29th and March 31st. Also, his lawyer, Mr. Mawini, was allegedly in close contact with Mr. Fotis the day his wife disappeared. But wait, it gets better. Fotis called his former lawyer while allegedly dumping evidence the night Jennifer went missing. This according to phone records. When questioned in June, the lawyer, Mawini, claimed he hadn't been in touch with Fotis and that he suffered a concussion after falling downstairs May 25th and had to replace his broken phone. Well, isn't that convenient? In a second interview with the police, Mawini, the lawyer, reiterated that he had no memory of talking to Mr. Dulos that night. Quote, I don't remember having contact with him. If there's a phone call, I guess I did. But I don't remember having contact with him. Because remember, his excuse was I fell down the stairs and had a concussion and broke my phone. So, yeah, sucks. What a what a weird coincidence. Oh, you're saying my old phone was pinged near that weird grave hole on the gun club that I founded where another gun club member saw the grave but then just shrugged it off. Really? This is adding up to be a... Northern Lights type excuse, a Principal Skinner like Aurora Borealis type deal, steamed hams. <laughs> Apparently, Ma Winnie, the lawyer, has faced legal troubles of his own. He was busted last year after Fotis reached out to the lawyer's estranged wife, allegedly offering up a room in his home as a sex pad so the two could repair their relationship. Also, he was arrested for allegedly sexually assaulting his own wife according to court records. And if that wasn't enough, there's this. <laughs> Mr. Dulos allegedly borrowed an axe from a neighbor just weeks before his wife went missing. He told the axe's owner he wanted to chop firewood in his backyard. Yeah. Hey, Phil, check your axe. Is there blood on that thing? It's unclear if the axe was in Dulos's garage when authorities searched the sprawling Farmington mansion. Because, you know, every rich guy, every millionaire, maybe billionaire in Connecticut likes to chop his own wood. It's good, good exercise, good fresh fall air. Man, for guys smart enough to make that much money, it can be really stupid. And to think, you know, so it's not working out. Get a divorce. Move on. Cut her a check. What are you going to do, murder her? And if you are... Jeez, get your act together. This is a case to keep an eye on for sure. That'll be it for me today. Thank you so much. This also concludes the freeloader portion of this week's ZabeCast. If you cannot live without me for one more day, tomorrow, Friday, 
If you want to start your Friday off right, then please subscribe to the Zabecast uh, via the app or via the website. I don't even know where you go to subscribe on this. Go to Zabe.com. You'll see a link for it there. And if you're still stymied on how to sign up for Fridays for a mere 5 bucks a month, that's nothing, then just email me and I'll make sure to send you the link directly. You'll get a smashing football-centric Friday broadcast, which when the football season ends will convert into just a better-than-normal Zabecast. Maybe longer, maybe more special guests, Maybe only 10% better than Monday through Thursday, but you buying it for $1.33 an episode will tell me you really, really support all the other free stuff I give you. And my heartfelt and eternal thanks will go your way. Thanks for listening. Have a great Thursday, and we will see you next time. Okay, my degenerate friends, let's talk about the wonderful dark art of gambling. Yes, dancing with the point spread. Going two fists in all the way up to your elbows, wearing farm animal gloves. All right, that was weird. My point is, every game you watch is a little bit more spicy with something on it, you know? That's why you should get dialed in today at mybookie.ag. I've got an account, and you know what? I throw 10, 15, 20 bucks on stuff all the time. That's it. You can even bet less. MyBookie.ag is perfectly legal, and having worked with them for over two years, they are a rare exception of credibility in a sea of fly-by-nighters. And the handful of times anybody has had a problem, they take care of it right away. Why? Because I send one email, and they go, oh, we, we don't want to get this. We'll take care of this. Relax, everybody. You got me backing you up. NFL, college football, NBA, college hoops, PGA Tour, NHL, Premier League, everything but Bush Kazi from Afghanistan, you can bet on it. Right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to 1000 additional dollars to put in play. Terms and restrictions do apply to bonus dollar matches. Read the website for details. Promo code is ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to get that additional matching money. Get some sweet action in 2020. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid.